Monday, June 21st, which means it's the This Is Believe One podcast. I am your host, James Mastrucci, and like always, I'm joined by Jordan Cohen. Jordan, how you doing? Hey, James. How's it going? It's going to be fun. It's going pretty good. You know, we're here to talk some more Browns. You know, like we said last time, each week, get a little bit closer, more football, more football content keeps coming out. Yeah, yeah. Now, now we're getting to the, like, controversial stuff that comes out, too, which is the best part of that NFL offseason. Oh, yeah, because it's always, you know, it's always a good talking point, a good thing to discuss. Right. Yeah, and before we get to the, the controversial spot, you... We kind of DM'd a little bit last week about uh, Dave Giuliani, the Browns director of research, being on Kevin Cole's podcast. Uh, can you tell me a little bit what happened on there? Yeah, yeah. So Kevin Cole is an analyst for PFF, but he's done a lot of stuff prior to PFF too. Like he's, I, I, I've talked to him briefly on Twitter a few times. I think he's a really nice guy and he's really intelligent. And this summer he's doing this whole series where he's trying to get like analytics guys but also kind of a variety of people like in research and for nfl teams on his podcast and so uh last week he had dave giuliani who's the director of research and dave giuliani it was really interesting because I, the the crux of the conversation is listen uh, dave giuliani you've done analytics for 15 20 years you've been in philadelphia you've been i think he was in 49ers like he's been everywhere what does an analytics team look like for the Browns Mm -hmm. and Dave Giuliani was actually pretty open and really I I mean it's not dissimilar to what we've talked about on this podcast where what he says he does so he's a research guy now so he's not he's kind of higher level he's a manager at this point like a director level Um, but he said like what analytics does is at the start of the week they frame like here are the things we need to work on. Here are the things we're doing really well. Mm-hmm. They run it by the coaching staff. The coaching staff thumbs up, thumbs down. And then if it's thumbs down, like if the coaching staff wants more stuff, they, they tell the analytics guys. And the analytics guys will get it for them. And But what he said that's really important is he said, like, obviously it depends on the coaching staff, right? Some coaching staffs don't want to work with you. And he said, but Kevin is really open working with us. And he doesn't always agree with us. Like, and we know that our job isn't to call the plays. That's his job. And yeah. he has certain things he wants to do. And our job is to figure out what is the most efficient way to do that. And then we run it by him. And he said, it's like a process, right? Oftentimes he will take that information and build it into the strategy he already has. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like a painting that you're working on as a group, right? Like yeah. everybody contributes. Stefanski has the final say but it takes it's a process and i think that's what you and i have talked about right like i fundamentally believe the browns have one of the best analytics staffs mm-hmm. in the nfl yeah absolutely. and i think that's a good thing because when you listen to this it seems like they're they really view their job is to complement the coach and the general manager not to determine strategy for the entire organization and so that's what it. That's what it kind of sounds like. It's. It sounds like they're trying to, you know, work together. They're not trying to run the show. And I think, initially, when the the Browns went back down this route of way of running their team, that was the fear. Is what was going to happen was that these people are going to run the show because that's what happened last time, and it ended up in an odd disaster. Luckily, right. um, as it it looks very very apparent to everyone that. Not only is 
are they not operating in that manner? It's just that this group of people that is running this operation is significantly better. Yeah, and I think that, so you also made this point that people don't realize or don't talk, discuss analytics like they actually are, right? Mm -hmm. Analytics are about finding competitive advantages at the moment, right? Mm -hmm. That can be statistics, it can be a variety of things, but you, you try to find the competitive advantage. And so you didn't get into this, but it's something I've been thinking about for a while is that like when you look at the Buccaneers in the playoffs, they ran duo like mm -hmm. every play and they just took advantage of the small, like not super like strong linebackers, right? Because all linebackers now and like that, that Seattle cover three shell mm -hmm. are ostensibly safeties. Yeah. And the Buccaneers just ran duo all all postseason. Everybody said Brady had a great postseason, and he did, but it was coming off those duo plays that then he could turn into play action, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things Giuliani was getting at without actually saying it is that, listen, if linebackers all of a sudden aren't strong enough to tackle running backs, and again, he didn't say this, this is my yeah. interpretation, that then guess guess what teams are going to start doing more, mm -hmm. right? They're going to start running more. And, he's, and the point is, like, it changes, right? Every year it changes. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it... Kevin Cole asked him a question about Baker and he said listen like Baker knows there are things he needs to improve on right that he did a lot of things better and he did some things worse and so it, to me it sounds like they are part of both the coaching staff and kind of the general management staff mm -hmm. again design is a compliment in really looking at trends which to me feels like the Kevin Stefanski hire feels like they hired a coach where who was running a system where it looked like the trend was going to be successful because everybody's still in the Seattle cover three shell. Um, and so if you run more, you're going to take advantage of it, right? Mm -hmm. Defensive linemen are no longer taught to be like these super kind of intelligent guys that read the field early on, right? And yeah. that's what they were not all that long ago. And there's still some like that. Mm -hmm. But now they're just designed to be space eaters. Well, okay, guess what that means? Play action. So I I, I came away from that interview. Again, like, this has been my feeling all offseason, that I started really worried, especially when, like, the Tack McKinley stuff happened. Yeah. But it really feels like this is a collaborative process where you have the football guys, the analytics guys, the guys that are just, like, invested in the Browns, right? Mm -hmm. all kind of working together to create I, I'm excited it was a really I was really happy after listening to it it's also just fascinating they talked about like if you want to get into football analytics what to do and what not to do and I mean he basically said like if you're a dick on Twitter that doesn't look good like mm -hmm. we look at Twitter we look to find analysts that are showing their work on social media yeah so don't be an asshole yeah and be open mm-hmm which so yeah I don't know I came away really impressed that was a great interview and so last week we discussed uh, Andrew Berry and his podcast appearance and after you kind of uh, broke down for me last week what the this uh, Giuliani's appearance on uh, the PFF podcast here was um, I came away with the impression that we have a pretty good idea of how the team operates and it's basically exactly what we've been saying the entire time. Yep, exactly. And I, I mean, it's funny. I, I don't know this for 
any fact, whatever. This is just my gut. It feels like Deep Podesta is pretty still on the outside. I mean, you do have the director of research on one podcast, Andrew Barry on the other, mm-hmm. and Dee Podesta's name not be mentioned once mm-hmm. by either the interviewer or the or Barry or Giuliani. Just it, it seems like he may be not doing that much. Like he's kind of just in the background. Yeah, and I I don't know exactly how involved Dee Podesta's uh, is in the operations of the team because uh, every time you try and get uh, something out of him he tells you a whole bunch of words but they mean nothing so maybe that's right. another reason why nobody wants him on is because we've seen interviews and you know clips of him he'll talk for two to three minutes and you've come away with zero information whatsoever which hey maybe that's great and you know playing the you know the wars of um, trying to make sure no one knows what you're doing and keeping everything that you're doing internally a secret but it makes for terrible content. <laughs> well, and what's funny to me is, like, Andrew Berry went on and, like, we, on the athletic show and straight up said, like, their strategy for extensions, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Andrew Berry said, like, there are things we want to see more from these guys. Mm-hmm. And he didn't say we're not going to extend them. He didn't say we are going to extend them. But he was very clear that, like, clearly, if there's an extension, it's going to happen under the auspices of you still need to prove yourself. And this extension does not let you off of having to do that yeah and so you know so just... I, I think they're sharing information i just i don't know how i don't know i deep may have never been super involved right like we heard that story when they hired stefanski mm-hmm. and that it was like deep Podesta doing the pushing and i mean i guess to a certain extent that's probably true yeah but it also i, I don't know it feels like there's probably more going on yeah, I, I mean, let's be honest here. Uh, when's the last time we've really heard Dee Podesta discussed uh, outside of people trying to continue to push the guardrails? I haven't really heard no, him and, talk and about all that much. Said, like, Andrew Berry literally is talking about how they don't follow that stuff anymore. I, exactly. <laughs> the only people that bring it up are the ones that are still trying to push the uh, the guardrails agenda, which is we've, we discussed previously that they don't do anymore. I mean, the Browns drafted a zone corner and a linebacker in their first two picks. Yeah, you can set fire to that that ridiculous document right now if you haven't already. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 it's, a, I was, well, it was maybe Jake Burns' podcast I was listening to today, mm-hmm. and they made an interesting point, which is there is no reason in the NFL that these extensions need to be given out during the off season. Yeah. Right? We, we see all these other teams do these extensions a couple weeks into the season all the time. When was Mahomes' extension gun done? Wasn't that in the, in the during the season? Yeah. It's, I think yeah, it, it was. was. Like middle. Yeah, I mean, and the point was to Wyatt Teller, right? There is no cost to watching Wyatt Teller play again, right? Watch Wyatt Teller for three games. If it's clear our offense doesn't work without him, then you give him the extension. Same with Chubb. Same with Baker. Like, if Baker comes out guns a-blazing his first four games, then I, I get the idea that you probably want to extend him sooner than later because the cost of not is very very expensive um obviously you have to see like think is this like variance like is he getting lucky on these throws or is he doing really well but Uh there's a reason why good teams do that and it feels like that's what the browns are doing the only one i could see extended early is chubb but i'm not even sure if they're going to give him an extension but if they do i could see them getting it out of play early uh because it lets them kind of figure out their cap yeah, Chubb, 
maybe. Uh, but everyone else, it doesn't really seem like it's it should be a, a priority. It, right. But, I mean, that's just me. It, it, my mistake, by the way, Mahomes' uh, deal was signed in July. But for okay. some reason, I thought it was during the season. Maybe it was one was of the... Maybe it was like a, Season? Maybe it was a Wentz or a Goff. Oh, hold on. Yeah. Uh, no. June, June 6th. June 6th for for Wentz. It was somebody. I remember because it was just... Goff. Uh, it was Goff. He was September. Yeah. yeah. Goff was September. I knew it was somebody with a big, with a big yeah. dollar figure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, right. I... I still can't believe how much Jared Goff is getting paid. Uh, I, although I don't think he's as bad as some people do. Um, to me, that's Baker. Like his highs are really high, his lows are really low. Yeah, yeah. That's that's about where he is. Um, but as far as extensions go, I, I'm not. I don't see a need to like. If if Browns Twitter ran the way the Browns re-signed people, they would have signed everyone to extensions back in, like, February, okay? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm ready for tight end one David Njoku to get his max contract, so then we have the two highest-paid tight ends in the NFL. <laughs> that's something that's going around. Like, I've seen that a lot in, like, articles, too. That Like, <sighs> not that the Browns think this, but the people that, like, Right about the Browns, think Njoku should be the number one tight end. Which outlet? I, I, I know I've seen it like a lot of like the Browns blogosphere. Oh, okay. So like, uh... and like the Athletic had an article about it, but it was basically it was not it not saying that they should make it, but yeah. that it's very possible that's what David Njoku is looking for before he signs a new deal. Got it. It's like just he's not your number one tight end. I know, I get, he improved his blocking towards the end of the season. Great. And he had a, quote-unquote, good uh, end of the season in playoff games, which, when you look at them, they really weren't impressive. But people make this mistake where they think improvement's linear, right? So, David Njoku will never have a... It's like the Baker problem, too, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's a, These guys will never have games substantially worse than that what they just did, and that what they just did is really the new them. Yeah. That's not how improvement works in any walk of life. It's not how improvement works for NFL teams. I mean, this, this is one of my favorite terms to discuss uh, when uh, player performance, and especially guys who certainly aren't at a who are not at a certain level of talent. And that word is outlier. Okay. Yep. An out outlier, and. Okay, I had to pull up the Njokus. That somehow we always fall into the Njoku or Higgins uh, rabbit hole, like most times on this podcast. But don't worry. Uh, uh, but pull up those stats. I know it was a hard game against the Jets. They were down there, but four catches for twenty-six yards. Uh, then he followed up with two for thirteen against the Steelers. Then the next, the the win against Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, one for seven. And the game, the loss against Kansas City, four for fifty-nine. Yeah, no, it wasn't that good. I, no, I get the so I get the frustration about how much Austin Hooper's paid. I also get that Harrison Bryant like does some things really, really well, and then was still a rookie. Like yeah. he makes mental mistakes. But 
listen, Harrison Bryant probably is in a similar role again this season. And then next season, the hope is Harrison Bryant can be the number one tight end. The yeah. hope is not David Njoku. No. It's not. It's, it, it can't be. It, 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 right. it honestly can't be. <sighs> and uh. here's the thing. I, I think that Njoku, like, if he's willing to take a cheap two-year extension, like, that's fine. Like, if he's willing to take tight end three money for another two years, great. Resign him. Because that contract, you can trade him. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he'd be willing to take that. And it's going to be like a Sheldon Richardson thing where the Browns think they'll – and this this happens all the time where they lowball the guy. Mm-hmm. It's not just the – this. assume the guy won't get a better deal and will come back. Then the guy's so pissed off he goes somewhere else. Yeah. So, which is fine. Like, let that happen. I don't care. But he's not your tight end one. Mm-hmm. Oh, which, by the way, I'm glad you brought up Sheldon Richardson. So I'm going to take this moment to uh, take a victory lap. Uh, told everybody that he, he was not coming back. As soon as they use that phrasing of at the right price, I knew he was gone. <laughs> so, victory lap. Here's the thing. Like, imagine you're Phil Richardson, right? You came when this team was a question mark, right? Mm-hmm. Like, nobody was sure how the Browns were, and it was still pretty dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. And you played really well for two years. Yeah. Like, he did. He was really – I can't think of one bad Sheldon Richardson game. No, not really. Just... And then the Browns lowballed him. So – yeah, I buy Mary Kay, Mary Kay Cabot's point that he went to Minnesota for less. Yeah. Sure, but it's a it's a like professional thing, right? Mm-hmm. If you're low buying me, I'm not going to stay, no matter what, even if I have to make less money elsewhere. Yeah, and that's, and that's fine. Listen, every team does it. I don't think it's a bad strategy because if it works out, you really like. Honestly, it's not dissimilar to having with Clowney, right? Mm-hmm. For two years, we said this is what we're willing to pay you. For two years, he said no, and then he said yes. Yeah. Um, and obviously there's issues with the clowning bit of clowning, but it, the strategy itself wasn't bad. It just, it's the reality. Yes. And uh, to kind of, to wrap up this uh, whole uh, discussion about Richardson and Clowney up, uh, there's, there's one thing that seems like the Browns may have uh, as a tell when it comes to players that they're looking to try and negotiate with uh, who are or were part of their team it's that when they say at the right price that means we're not re-signing them it's a nice little code phrase that they have i think it's important to actually uh point that out because while it does give the general fan base some some false hope it's it's important for the people that are covering the team to recognize at the right price means he gone Right, and what I like about Mary Kay Cabot, and again, and I've said this on here before, I think she gets criticized, but pretty unfairly, to be honest with you. Like, yeah, she she's does. much better than a lot of the journalists we have in this city. Yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, but she made this point over and over again. She was insistent that she did not think Richardson was coming back. Uh-huh. She said it was sure it was possible, yeah. but it's unlikely. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I mean. I'm more speaking to the, you know, the the not the people that are at every press conference in person. So right. not like the Mary Kay Cabby, Cabot, Cabby, Mary Kay Cabot, or, you know, uh, Mr. Tony Grossi, who, you know, spends his weekends opening up Taco Bells. Um, yes. <laughs> which is still one of my favorite pictures of all time. Uh, Tony yeah. Grossi at the Taco Bell. But 
I digress. Uh, <laughs> the next uh, subject we're going to get to, uh, Pete Prisco. Uh, yeah. Some people like him, a lot of people hate him uh, in regards to his analysis, but he had a top 100 NFL players of 2021. Uh, the top of the list, not very surprising, Mahomes, Donald, Rogers, et cetera, et cetera. We got Miles Garrett in at nine on this list. Yeah, I mean, listen, Pete Prisco's thing, and I don't have any issue with Pete Prisco. I think these rankings are awful, but I, I get why he did what he did, right? Like, each one of these spots is signaling to create controversy. Yes. The logic by Miles Garrett is that he's really young, and the first half of the season, he was really good. Here's the thing. The first half of the season, he was going up against, like, backup left tackles, mm-hmm. right? Like, don't forget, there was all those injuries early on in the season, and yeah, he was playing great, mm-hmm. but I mean, I don't know. I, I I know this is heresy. Heresy is a Browns fan, uh, especially given my Baker thoughts too. But mm-hmm. like, I'm not convinced Miles Garrett is like Miles Garrett. I'm not convinced is like the guy for a defense. And ninth overall, you you have to be because a defensive end at ninth player in the NFL, you better be the guy. Whatever defense you're on, better be top half of the league. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't feel that way about Miles Garrett. Like, I do with Aaron Donald, right? Like, Aaron Donald, I don't care where you put him, that defense becomes elite. Yeah, it um, does. Jalen Ramsey's another guy. Like, it, it's harder, I think, as a corner to have, like, a total transformative impact. But Jalen mm-hmm. Ramsey shuts down whoever he's guarding all game long. And I, and I just don't know what Miles Garrett does that. I, I will say this in defense of Miles Garrett, he is playing the defensive end position where Donald's playing the defensive tackle. While Donald is a better player, it's easier to disrupt the play from the from the inside than it is from the outside. Because you can completely just yeah, set kill the timing of, of everything if you just if you shed your blocker like he does like every single right. play. But but then why is Miles Garrett the ninth best overall? Like I, 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 I can't defend him being at number nine here. He's he's one of the best defensive ends in the league. I'll give him that. I don't think he's he the is. ninth best player in the NFL. I just I don't know. I I the rankings felt weird to me because some of those rankings like the Miles Garrett seemed like just based on like pure ability, uh not position specific. And mm-hmm. then like ranking Chubb in the low sixties because he's a running back, which I mean, I, I have issues with that too, but like there was not too much consistency. And I think that's part of what he's trying to do, right? Is it, well, to well, serve controversy. He's but. trying to get people to talk about it. So mission accomplished, Mr. Prisco. Um, <clears throat> so he had him at 63 and he's the next Brown on the list, which means from 10 to 62, there is not a single Browns player on this list, which... I kind of agree with. I kind of I mean, do. I, I, I would have Chubb much, much higher. And I think I'd have Wyatt Teller higher too. Um, but, but I'm not, yeah, I'm I not opposed think... to the big gap is essentially what, what I'm at. Right. I, I agree with that. I mean, I, I guess what I, I would probably have miles Garrett around 20 mm-hmm. and I would have Chubb. I mean, I think Chubb's actually just better at what he does than miles Garrett is, but I get the, the position things yes so maybe put chubb 25 for me okay um and somewhere in that range like listen if for what kevin stefanski wants to do i'm ranking chubb in the top 10 
but but I get that's not what the purpose of this list is. It's not what about what the coaches want to do, right? It's about overall. Um, so Chubb twenty five, but like I don't think I would have any Browns player in the top nineteen. And after Chubb, I I think you're hitting the sixties until Wyatt Teller. Yes, yeah, so I'm I'm looking at his list. Uh, you know the running backs on here: Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook. For running backs, and um, let's see, still scrolling through. But outside of Derrick Henry, these guys do something that Nick Chubb doesn't really on a regular basis, and that's make an impact in the passing game. Derrick Henry's just Although a better. Although he did towards the end of last he did season. towards the end of the season, but like. Again, could that be the outlier? Could that be the small sample size? Oh, it absolutely could. But I, I mean, I, Zeke I mean, Elliott I was on here too, but he's closer to, to Nick Chubb. But you know, those other guys outside of Henry, who Henry is a better running back at this moment in time than Nick Chubb. Yeah, and he appeared in all their games, I think. Well, uh, that's what I would say about Derrick Henry is that just like, and listen, Chubb had a weird injury. Um, yeah, it, I, it, it's. I mean, he he had been really healthy. I, I, surprisingly before that but i mean i i think there's an argument for derrick henry being a better running back than nick chubb like just as a pure runner i i think that's fair that's fair i i guess for me like i when you i know christian mccaffrey is a running back but it's hard for me like i don't that offense didn't miss a beat when christian mccaffrey was out Mm -hmm. um which I don't think it speaks bad of Christian McCaffrey. I feel like where Chubb is a very significant floor raiser with a modest ceiling raiser, mm-hmm. um, I think Christian McCaffrey is a pretty low floor raiser with a very high ceiling raiser. Okay. I can, uh, I can get on board with that. And, and that's what I think about the Pat. So, like, if you were asking me if the Browns had Pat Mahomes, mm-hmm. or, or that doesn't even need to be Pat Mahomes, uh, next level down quarterback mm-hmm. um Dak Prescott yeah right runs at Dak Prescott who would I rather have Nick Chubb or Christian McCaffrey I'm probably picking McCaffrey yeah um but the Browns don't and like that's nothing against Chubb like again mm-hmm. I, I I think there's a very realistic possibility in the next year or two Chubb becomes a better runner than Derrick Henry but I, I at the same time like I I Christian McCaffrey, if you are a really good passing team, is like a Travis Kelsey is for Kansas City. Mm-hmm. It's a totally different position, but it's just it's a matchup nightmare. Um, so I don't know. I don't really have an issue where I would have Chubb ahead of Dalvin Cook, um, and he was ahead of Zeke Elliott, who I don't even know. Like Zeke Elliott being in the top one hundred was weird to me. Like Zeke Elliott hasn't had a good season in years. See. Just to touch on Dalvin Cook for a second, Dalvin Cook has had 40, 53, and 44 receptions the past three seasons, where I don't think Chubb has 30 in his career. Yeah, no, I know, I know. But, like, I I, I just don't. And my guess is out of that 30, there's probably 20. He has 72. Uh, I severely uh, underrated his pass catches, but not a whole lot. Has always had the potential to be good in the passing game. I think the problem with Chubb is, and this is the Derrick Henry problem too. Like you cannot convince me Derrick Henry in open spaces would be bad. It's that because they are so good at running the ball, mm-hmm. using them as a pass catching option when you already have good pass catching options, 
feels like a waste of resources. Um, and I don't, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I just, I think that's logic behind it. Like Derek, I, I am sorry. Derek Henry could be an elite pass catching running back. Mm-hmm. He could, I don't, like, I'm sorry. He could, you can't bring him down in open spaces, but no, I, I, I the chub I would have. So I also think I just value running backs higher than Prisco. You do. Um, right. Right. And so that's part of it too. Like, I would have Chubb twenty-five. I probably would have Chubb ranked below McCaffrey, um, below Henry. And I also think you're kind of looking at this from a little bit of a different perspective than he is. He's just looking at player not on the team. You're throwing some context into the importance of the team, which is fine. It's just a different perspective. Right. Absolutely. No, 100%. I agree. And I'm not – again, I think I rank running backs higher, at least in the short term, than Mm -hmm. he does. I I think long-term – running backs have it ranked substantially lower. Yeah. Um, and to that point, that brings us to Odell Beckham Jr. at 81. He's just here because of who he can be and what he's done previously. And that's what Prisco said, I think. Pretty right? much. It, like, oh, I mean, and again, it just, the rankings are designed to create controversy to get people talking. They do that. Yeah. Right? It didn't feel like a super consistent... Um, like consistent set of criteria, but again, Odell Beckham two years ago is probably in the top twenty. Yeah, he is. And so I get where he's coming from, right? Like those rank, it probably takes longer to fall from that than it does. So I get that. I just I, I don't have an issue with Odell. I, I thought that was a fair spot. Again. He clearly ranks offensive line and running back lower than I do, which mm-hmm. is fine. It's and, totally, I mean, that's just biased, but. And speaking of offensive line, Joel Petonio at 86. <laughs> yeah, I, I had no problem with that. that it, felt right. it, he's, he's a guard, so I'm like, okay, he's in the yeah. 100, he's a guard. Uh, Wyatt yeah. Teller, 96, same thing. Yeah, again, two of the best guards in the NFL. Yeah. They're guards. Yeah, I have no issue with those. So. It, what got weird was after that, like, I was surprised. Denzel Ward's got to be a health thing, but like it, it, John it really Johnson does. the third, yeah. I mean John Johnson the third. I guess Prisco did have him as borderline Jarvis. Like the, to be fair, those like I, I get the argument that they're borderline top one hundred guys. Yeah, they, there's quite quite a few Browns on the list that did not that aren't the just missed category. Uh, John Johnson, Jack Conklin, uh, Baker, yeah. Jarvis, and uh, J C. Treader all are in the just missed. Uh, yeah, the only one out of the stands out for me is Baker. I, like, <laughs> I, I don't. Sh- I don't think Baker just missed this list, honestly. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I Baker in the top one fifty for me because after that you're getting the like bench guys, but. He's probably closer to 120 than 100 for me. Okay, yeah. But, I mean, let me see some of these other quarterbacks that missed the list here. Because now I'm curious. There's a ton that, guess, made, a ton I, that I, made the I list. I point, quarterbacks are... Like, a quarterback that is average, I don't rank... Like, I, that's a cost to me, because they end mm-hmm. up with a huge contract. 
Yeah, so the quarterbacks on the just missed is Ryan Tannehill, Derek Carr, Baker Mayfield, which is I feel is the right group of guys to be in the yeah, just missed. Uh, you know, compared yeah. to the guys that didn't make the list where we had I know you're not big on Joe Burrow, but he chimed in at ninety five. Kyler Murray's at ninety four. Um Kyler Murray I get, Joe Burrow I don't. But again, it's not Stafford, that Ryan, Prescott, Herbert, Lamar, Watson, which his inclusion on the list is complicated side note did you see the herbert and keelan allen stuff that was going around that team's going to be good yeah that team's going to be really good yeah so that was an interesting uh list from 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 pete prisco here um considering a, a lot of people have have the browns with a lot of good players but it you know I think the the difference, and I think sometimes uh, input from outside sources is needed to understand, I guess, how how the team is perceived from outside of the area or outside of the organization. Okay, right. Because you know sometimes that's that second set of eyes. I know the I know this list is it's uh, complicated. Let's put it that way, because that's what this yeah. list is. But it's it's more about having, okay, how do other people view the team and the team's right. players? Because if you would if you would listen to just the, the, the voices in unison on Twitter or through you know blogs or whatever, you would think they the Browns have the greatest team of all time. And you know having that kind of sort of reality check being like, hey, you guys got good players, but they're good, not great or great or not or good, not elite. So I think that's important to distinguish for from a lot of these players on this list because th- that list, yeah. t- especially towards the top, that's like the el- the elite, like all caps, elite players of the league. Yeah, yeah. I, I also think it speaks to the perception is that Kevin Stefanski is doing a lot of the weightlifting here. Yeah, water carrying here. Like I, I think that's also because like Prisco's written about the Browns before and thinks like they are a potential Super Bowl contender. Mm-hmm. So I think this means that it's not – so first off, I do think people think the Browns have a lot of kind of this like second and third tier talent, just not really much in the first tier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but second, I think it also means that people just really rate Kevin Stefanski. Yes, absolutely. Which they should. Yeah. And and speaking of the coaching staff, there is one more uh, topic we had on, on the docket today, and that would be – Joe Woods uh, and uh, size on the defense. Uh, you, you sent me an article appearing on Brown's Wire, um, which you told me before we started didn't use the full quote, which kind of... Yeah, yeah. I mean, Woods basically... So somebody asked Woods, like, was he concerned about the size of the linebackers? And he basically said no. And what he was pointing to is like, we have really athletic linebackers. Yeah. Right. Like it's not like just having the speedy guys that Tampa just crushed all playoffs. Mm-hmm. Right. Duo. Like these guys are strong. Yeah. Right. John Johnson, the third is not the biggest guy, but he's an ox. He is so mm-hmm. strong. JOK. He, he's not your like prototypical linebacker size, although he's bigger than people give him credit for, but he's really strong. Like he's an ox. And that was Woods' point. Like, listen, 
yeah, they're not the biggest, but like all the other metrics they check out in. What is clear is I think he is worried about getting pressure, uh, whether it's to stop the short running game or get to the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the I mean, what do you say? Like basically, you either commit a linebacker to rush, which takes one person out of the secondary, or you just try to use the defensive line to generate pressure. And I think he's worried about that. And, um, and that, which that's is fair, understandable to me. That's the biggest question mark on the team, mm-hmm. outside of Baker. Is that yeah. defensive line? Looked up the sizes of Mr. John Johnson, six foot two oh nine. That's a pretty big dude for a safety and. JOK six one two fifteen, right? Which is again undersized a little bit for linebacker, but not. It's not like um, who's the guy a few years ago that got uh, Simmons? Yeah, who's a, Simmons is just a safety. He's not a linebacker. Mm. So I, I think on one hand there are certain areas where size would be a concern, which. Yeah. When you look at guys like Tack McKinley or right. sure. um, or Clowney, uh, mostly with what people were trying to say what the Browns should do with Clowney, <laughs> kick him yeah, inside, which was tackle. preposterous. Um, yeah. That, that Size on the defensive line is a bigger concern for yes. me size linebacker core and secondary. Linebacker and secondary, I'm not worried about their size all that much. It's Yeah. I mean, sure, would it be nice to have, you know, some more bigger traditional size dudes? Yeah. But that those guys are a little bit more rare to see in the starting lineup nowadays just because of right. the passing game. And how right. how many teams like Outside of a, a handful of teams running uh, a form of the offense that the Browns run and whatever the hell the Ravens do offensively, you're, you you got to prepare for like uh, at least a 60-40 passing split every game. Yeah. I mean, I also think the Browns' defense is des- – it, it's funny. Everybody's like, oh, it's designed to beat the Chiefs. I don't actually think that's true. No, it's not uh, because I, nothing they can. They still pose massive ma- – yeah. They still pose huge matchup issues for us. But the Ravens. I mm-hmm. think this defense is designed to stop, right? It mm-hmm. is. This defense is going to be really good at pushing people to the side. Yes. Uh, and that is how you beat the Ravens. That is Lamar's weakness because it means he has to throw the ball. Yeah. It's, it's It has speed, but they didn't necessarily um, go for speed in the sake of getting rid of strength. So it's not about right. just size. It's the strength they're still strong players so yeah. they're not going to I mean, be the ravens are pushed around really yeah, the ravens got like fixed their offensive line mm-hmm. right so i think that is not unimportant but i i still yeah i think the idea here is well-rounded athletes that are really intelligent mm-hmm. is what the browns are looking for and i think that's what they have yeah, and I think it's a defense designed to stop the Ravens because what they realized is, a to win the AFC, you got you're gonna have to go through the Ravens. B, you have to play them twice a year anyways. Mm-hmm. So you got to be able to beat them. Yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, because the Bengals still seem like they're a few years away. They could be, they could move into headache status this year. You're just kind of annoying team. Like, you still win, but it's just yeah. like, man, they're kind of annoying. 
and yeah. who knows where the Steelers are going to go. I mean, yeah, they they, they sign up for another year of uh, Big Ben, and that team seemed to just unravel as the season went last year. But until we see the, them completely collapse, they're still the Steelers, one way or the other. I mean, yeah. I, I, it, I think they're going to be worse than the Bengals. I really... I. I think the Steelers are going to have a nightmare season. I, I I definitely think that's in the realm of possibilities, but uh, until it happens, I'm not going to be like, that's going to happen. Fair. You know what I mean? Fair. Fair. It, it, well, and they signed that new offensive coordinator who is supposed to be really, really good. Uh, he was the guy that did all that motion stuff at the college level. I always forget his name. But So, I mean, maybe they run a new offense out there and beat teams but i just i don't know I, I, that roster yeah yep I, that roster to me is just like swiss cheese like there are just holes every and i know they drafted Najee harris but it's like your solution to no offensive lines to draft a pass catching running back like, you have a quarterback that can't throw, so I get why you want the pass catching running back, but that offensive line's a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, I, like, listen, I, I, I'm not going to say Steelers are a perfect roster or they're a team that's going to, you know, finish the deal as they started last year before they had an all time epic collapse. It's just until they fall off the cliff. Right. You know, no, that's fair. until until they're done, you know, uh,. <laughs> Let me make this comparison. Uh, you're familiar with the Halloween movies, right? They're Michael Myers. Until they're yeah, dead. Sure. Until they're dead. Yeah. You got to keep making sure because there's oh, going to keep coming absolutely. back. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that team is so well run mm-hmm. that. I, so what I will say about the Steelers is I think they are the least talented team in the division, but the consistency and that coaching staff in that front office also makes me think they will find a way to win games. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Yeah. I, 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 I go back and forth on this because I think the Browns need to improve this season. I also do think the Browns may be able to win the division this year, depending on it's going to be close. I think, mm-hmm. uh, because I think the Ravens are, going to be incorporating a lot of new pieces and that offense is not the easiest offense to incorporate new pieces into it's It's very weird it's very unusual and so i think they may start slow. they'll finish really strong uh but it'll be like what happened this past year right they start fairly slow and then all of a sudden they just explode i I just I, i think it'll be close i i still there are teams in there the chargers terrify me the Chiefs terrify me. So I, the Browns, I think, they, they got to improve a lot. They do, and Bills scare me a little bit. Like, yeah, the the, the Bills, the Bills are legit. Um, yeah. I, you know, no, the AFC is really good now. The AFC is really good. I. I mean, there are teams like the Broncos that I know they don't really have a quarterback, but that's a really good roster. Yeah, I mean, uh, who knows if um, 
who their quarterback week one is. It could be who they already have on their roster. They could make a, a trade for Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson, uh, depending on how that whole situation uh, sorts itself out. Because Right. But the Broncos... It's never good to be just a quarterback away because that means you're not really in it in the whole to begin with. But um, they're they're a team that just seems like the phrase "a quarterback away" really applies to that team. It really applies. Like it really. I mean, if you had Kirk Cousins to that team, that team's a title contender. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that's the level of quarterback they need. Uh, if they had somebody like Aaron Rodgers, I mean, if you are looking they, for a team to actually realistically compete with the Chiefs in the AFC West, it would be the Broncos with Aaron Rodgers on that roster. Yeah. I I think that Broncos with Aaron Rodgers, I think the Chiefs actually all of a sudden are the team that has to compete. Mm-hmm. I mean, that... So, right. I mean, the AFC is really good. I, I That's going to be the problem for the Browns. Is I, yeah. I think getting the playoffs is going to be tough. I think once they're in the playoffs, it's going to be even tougher than it was last year. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean... The 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 thing about last year is there were expectations, kind of, but not really. There were no right. no real expectations. It's let's see how this all works out. Then when they started winning games, some expectations came on as the season progressed, but it wasn't entering the season with expectations. And I think that's going to be the ultimate, um, I guess, outside factor. Is that. Right. They have expectations. And for some of those guys in that roster, it's expectations again. Um, yeah. And it's how yeah. they would be able to handle that, how they would be able to manage that. And how was the coaching staff yeah. to be able to manage that? Because managing, taking over the uncoordinated mess that the team was not an enviable situation, but straightening it, getting it to just a general state of not dumpster fire, that was just... I don't want to say it was the easy part, but it was the less complicated part. Yeah, it was a very different type of challenge. Yes. Right? I mean, it wasn't easy. We haven't had it in 20 years. But at yeah. the same time, it, it's just, it's not the usual challenge a coach faces. Mm-hmm. And, and, they and now that. this is a more traditional challenge. Yes. And so I think that's going to be, it's going to be very telling uh, yeah. early on in the oh, season, yeah. how things go. Uh, for the Cleveland Browns, but I think that's a good place to uh, to wrap things up this week. Uh, you can always check out This Is Believing Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and the audio files will be posted to my YouTube page as well, in addition to the website where they always show up every single week. Jordan, anything you would like to add as we uh, head on out of here? No, no, I'll talk to you. I'm sure we'll do another one soon. Yeah, I'm sure we'll have another one coming probably around uh, next week. (laughs) Yes, sounds good. Thanks for listening, everyone.